This is the Chapel of DBTS. Be sure to subscribe and listen to the Chapel messages weekly. And for more info, please go to dbts.edu. And now today's message. Well, good morning. Roads in this morning were a bit slippery, huh? I know uh, it was a challenge to get in here this morning, but I'm thankful to be here. Thankful this morning uh, to share the word with you. In fact, I I believe that today's message will be the best sermon I've ever preached. And there's a reason I'm going to say that, and that's because today I'm going to be quoting scripture to you. And so I, you can't get any better than that. I just, you just can't. And so this morning, what I'd like you to do is do something different than we do almost every time we usually come together, which is put your Bible away. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that is not so that you can check to see whether I got everything right or not. Um, <coughs> Uh, But rather, it's because the word, when it was originally given, when it was originally uh, brought to a particular assembly, would have been read to the church. And I want us to, in some minor way, replicate that experience. What would it be like to hear the scriptures read to you? And with energy and with excitement, and so I'm going to attempt to do that this morning, trying to emphasize the parts that I think Peter since we'll be looking at First Peter, Peter would have emphasized for us this morning. So my encouragement to you is as you listen, uh, <clears throat> try and think about um, what is it that sticks out to you in this letter. I'm convinced and uh, I'm convinced of the necessity, the need for memorization. Uh, those of you who've taken my classes know that I'm convinced of that because I, I make you memorize. And so here's, here's a little bit of payback. I make you memorize and then quote to the class. So here, I'll, I'll do it for you uh, in terms of First Peter. And like I mentioned a moment ago, I think this, this would have sim- been similar to the way in which the early church would have heard the word, though they would have heard First Peter in Greek. And uh, while uh, someone encouraged me to learn First Peter in Greek, I don't think it would be very helpful to all of us if I had done so, or if I were to quote it to you in Greek. So this morning we'll be listening to a translation. I will mention at the outset that this is a um, this is not the pure English Standard Version, but instead it's based on the English Standard Version. There are a few times where um, I take translational differences into account. So just to mention that, because I think there are sometimes some better ways of translating things. So let's hear First Peter, and then uh, when I conclude, what I'd like to do is just take a few moments to talk with you about memorization process, uh, the helpfulness of it. And then especially, I just want to take a few minutes to hear what you have heard from First Peter. So as, uh, as the word has been preached to us, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his rich mercy, 
he caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you who are being kept by God's power through faith unto the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved through various trials. These have come that the proven genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired diligently, seeking what manner of person or time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did testify when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and his subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they serve not themselves, but you and the things that have now been revealed to you by those who preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which even the angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but As he who has called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, you should be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, carry out the time of your sojourning here with fear, for you have been ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, gold, silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly out of a pure heart, knowing that you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. 
for all flesh is his grace and all its glory as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and all envy. As newborn babes long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, the honor is for those who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you are a chosen race, a holy nation, a royal people, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against the soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so, when, so that when they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may see your good deeds and give glory to the Father on the day of visitation. <coughs> so be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to the emperor as supreme or to the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, 
be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it? If, when you do evil and suffer for it, you endure. But, if you do good and suffer for it and endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you were called. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his footsteps. <laughs> he knew no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile. When he was threatened, or when he, when he was threatened, uh, uh, when he was reviled, he did not revile. When he was uh, beaten, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For we were straying like sheep, <laughs> but have now returned to the shepherd an overseer of earthly. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair or the putting out of gold jewelry, or the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. For this is in the sight of God very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as to the weaker vessel, for they are co-heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ear is open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, 
Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them. Neither be troubled. But in your heart, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, maintaining a good conscience, so that when you are reviled, those who speak evil of your good behavior may be put to shame. For it is better, if it should be God's will, to suffer for good than for evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but having been made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, who formerly disobeyed when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, when the ark was being built, in which a few, that is eight, souls were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who has ascended to the right hand of the Father with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they speak evil of you. They will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead. That having been judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober-minded and self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, for love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality towards one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, so use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. To you, he who speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, to one who serves as one who serves with the strength that God provides, that God may receive the glory 
through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings so that you may rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with great difficulty that the righteous are saved, what will be the end of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be steadfast. Be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same trials are being endured by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his glory in Christ Jesus, will himself confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. My Sylvanus, a faithful brother as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand for a minute.
The lady who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to all those who are in Christ. And that's the end of the reading of First Peter. So, <clears throat> why, why do this sort of a thing? I think the primary benefit is actually to me, <laughs> and uh, secondarily to you. Um, and, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But I think, I think there is a lot of benefit in hearing the word of God in this, in this way. Because we, we often in a chapel setting, we hear a deep expression, exposition of a particular passage. And that is incredible. That's one of the rich things about being in seminary, isn't it? We get to hear that sort of thing. But I think one of the things we sometimes can miss is the connections between, let's just say, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 5. And I think sometimes even the way that we read Scripture makes it happen that way, right? So if you're on a regular reading plan of Scripture and you're reading through the Bible in one year, and let's say you're not just going uh, Genesis all the way to Revelation, but you're in one of these reading plans that reads a little bit in the Old Testament, a little bit in the New Testament, a little bit in the, the poetic section. You may read 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2, and then 1 Peter chapter 3 and 4 the next day, and then 1 Peter chapter 5 the third day. And sometimes I wonder whether we don't miss some things because we don't read it all together. And so I think there is reason to, in our own devotional work, and, and I've mentioned this to my classes before, not only read short sections, but also longer sections. And uh, I've, I've gotten into a habit more recently. Uh, I'll actually pop in some earbuds. You can go to, to YouTube. And uh, they're professional narrators of Scripture, whatever version you want, um, except probably the word on the street. I don't know that I've seen one of those. But, um, but most of the, the general translations you can find, a tra- and, and you can even put it in double speed. That's what I tend to do. And I'll listen while I'm reading. And that, that keeps me moving along because if you're like me, I'm reading and I'm like, ooh, what does that mean? <laughs> and never will I get through a whole book, right? <laughs> so I've got to have something that just keeps me moving so that I can, I can tackle an entire, entire book at one time. Well, this gives us an opportunity for you to hear in this setting, <coughs> hear the word, and, and, and ingest it at one time. By the way, <coughs> the book of Revelation does indicate that there is a blessing for those who read the words of that scripture. And, uh, and I think, especially in the book of Revelation, the idea there is that this would be an orally r- r- read thing. And, and so hearing the word, I think, is a rich experience for God's people, especially in larger amounts. And part of the reason why I think memorization helps in that is because I dare say if I would have gotten up and just simply read the text, um, most of you probably wouldn't have been able to stick with me as much as you did because I was quoting the text. So most of you were, were paying attention the entire time, but... If you ever have extended reading portions, you'll find that people tend to you know, lose some form of interest. And so, so hopefully that, that helped a lot. So having read First Peter all together at one time, what stuck out to you?
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so even when he's talking to the wives, he says, look, okay, you can have the braided hair, the gold jewelry, the the nice clothing. But here's what you need, the imperishable beauty of a gentleman's lifestyle, which is in the sight of God very precious. Yeah. Yeah, that that theme of the eternal lasting value. And and one of the things that always sticks out to me, and I tried to emphasize it in my my quoting of it, is when he says, and after you have suffered a little while. It's like, this life doesn't last long. And yeah, you'll suffer. But at the end of the day, you'll say, that was a little while. It doesn't seem like it now, but. Yeah. Yeah, you, you certainly see this following in the footsteps of Jesus and modeling as a father and birth the, the son and, and that expression of holiness come from him. Good. Excellent. Anybody? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, first Peter is a lot of suffering. There's a lot of suffering happening. But from the very beginning, Peter essentially says, this is the way Jesus walked. And uh, it's the way that will happen to you. Now, I'm in the middle of doing some Ph.D. work on on, uh, writing the dissertation on uh, first Peter right now and Peter's use of Jesus's words. I'm convinced that th- a good portion of First Peter is based upon Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the end of the Beatitudes where, um, <coughs> where Jesus is talking about suffering and that those who start with the poorness in spirit, recognize their need, end with persecution. And Peter's simply saying this is what Jesus has said. Good. Anything else? So let me, in uh, the last few minutes here, just give a couple of encouragements to you. I, I wouldn't say that I am a, uh, uh, I am gifted in memorization. Uh, I would say that um, I dedicated a lot of time to memorizing this. <laughs> and that's what it takes. 
uh, and you could do it too. Um, I'm convinced of it. I have no doubt about it. Those of you who have children, you know that you're encouraging your children to memorize scripture, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, on the way in today, my wife said, remind Grace, you know, she's memorizing this verse for school, and we think, that's great. I'm glad my, my kids are memorizing scripture. Are we memorizing scripture? Is it just good for other people? Or might it also be good for us? And let me just mention a couple reasons why I think it's good for us. One, <clears throat> Psalm 119, I have hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Number two, my appreciation for First Peter grows more and more as I read the rest of Scripture because I am seeing First Peter everywhere now. Because I know First Peter, it's in my mind, and this is the this is a broader problem with our generation, which is that uh, Google knows everything, and so why do I need to know anything? But the problem with that is that Google can't compare knowledge, so two bees of knowledge will always remain separated. Google can't bring those things together, but a human can. And unless you know the scriptures, you cannot come and compare them with other scriptures, which is what we are called to do, friends. And so we need to memorize. Third, God's word has called you to meditate. I know of no better way to meditate on God's word than to memorize God's word. Because what do you do when you memorize God's word? You say it over and over. You think about the connections. You're thinking about how this plays out. And so what I do, and uh, whenever I'm memorizing something, I, I block diagram it. And uh, the reason I block diagram it is because I'm trying to understand the connections within it. So the whole process of memorization is actually meditation from the beginning to the end. And then my opportunities to express this <clears throat> when I prepare, okay, so where should I emphasize? Uh, what should I really stress? And when you begin to ask that question, you're really asking the question, what is it that Peter is really stressing? So again, you're getting back to the text. You're getting back to what does this mean and how does it impact my audience? And then every time I quote it, I mean, it's just, it's a rich experience because um, I'm beginning to think of the text in a new way and that text is, is flowing through me and I'm thinking of it. And, and that is a rich, rich experience. So my encouragement to you, and I know some of you, you're like, okay, yeah, I know your encouragement because I'm in your class right now and I'm memorizing something right now. But my encouragement to you is to not just think of how great memorization is for the rest of Christianity, but instead to think, look how great this can be in my life. Now, will I forget First Peter? You know, if you ask me in five years, do it, Tim. Uh, <clears throat> will I be able to walk through First Peter? Probably not. Probably not. But I will say this. I memorized this about a year ago. I don't know, somewhere along that, those lines. And... When I decided to quote it again to um, to a group of men, a number of uh, about a month ago, um, it took me probably a half hour of work to really feel like, okay, I, I've got this. Now you'll notice that there were a couple of times I had to make sure, and that's why I've got things highlighted because those are the lines I tend to forget, and so so you know that sort of thing. But but it's still there, and and it's still there to the extent that when 
uh, I'm reading another passage. You know, th- those sorts of things pop up. So at the end of the day, I don't, I, I don't think uh, memorization is ever a wasted exercise. It's a good thing for us to be engaged with. And my encouragement to you today is to memorize. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for your word. As we've contemplated First Peter this morning, we have been inundated with uh, your mind. Your word is your mind revealed to us in words. And we want to be people who think your thoughts after you. And so help us to memorize your word so that we may carefully think your thoughts after you. And I ask that we would be known as people of the word who value it so much. I'm rebuked as I think of so many previous generations and even Muslims today who memorize so much of the quote-unquote holy books. Father, may we be, we be people who care about your word enough to hide it in our hearts. Thank you again for this morning. May your word, as it has been spoken, and reach the hearts of these people and do the work as you have set it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the DBTS Chapel Hour. DBTS is a ministry of Inner City Baptist Church. To find out more about Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, please go to dbts.edu.